What's up, you guys? This is It's Real with Jordan and Demi. And today we have a very special guest. Um, Joey Perp is coming on the show. And the story goes, I was in a bar just chilling in Little Italy. And Elastic came on um, the radio. And I literally stopped what I was doing and I turned around. I was like, you guys, who is this? I shazammed it and we had to have him on the show to dive deeper into his genius. So everyone, please welcome Joey Perp. You're like a hip hop historian and a hip hop scholar, you know. For sure, for sure, for sure. And we'll get into that a little bit later, but but for first, sure. we want to talk about new new music coming out. Yep. You know, Dem Demi's been we've been talking about um, your your collaboration you've done with Kami and everything, and yeah, we're yeah. curious what's going on on the solo side of things with you right now. I got so much music actually. Like I have more music. Uh, I have more music right now than I've ever had in my life. Like at one time, unreleased and stuff. So I have multiple projects worth of music. I'm about to put out like an EP and then probably another EP and then like a full length. That's the plan. So I'm trying to drop as much music as I can within this next 12, 18 months, 24 months, shit like that. It's so crazy. I just told my friend the other day um, who does like she's not an artist or anything, but she was wondering about how artists go about choosing the songs they release. And I was like, actually, like. I feel like most artists only release maybe 30% of like the music they actually make. So how do you decide what comes out? Yeah, it's crazy because I don't know. A lot of rappers are like that, I guess, and artists are like that. Historically, I haven't been like that. In our camp, we have a, a saying that we adopted. Um, oh, no, we're still here. <laughs> okay, cool. In our camp, we have a saying that we adopted that's um, we use every part of the buffalo. So mm -hmm. like that's our thing. That's like our vibe in, in, in the studio, like when we work on this shit. So we kind of drop everything. So right now I'm in the same, I'm in that position where it's like, okay, how do I pick eight songs? How do I pick 10 songs? How do I pick 12 songs? How do I pick like the order in which they come out and stuff like that? Cause um, I have songs that I have from like before the pandemic, I have songs that I have from two weeks ago and they're all gonna come out, you know what I mean? So. That's insane. I wanted to tell you the story. I was going to use this in the intro, this okay, story, okay. but I just have to ha like let you know. Um, I was straight up like in a bar in Little Italy, um, and I'm with my producer, and we're just chatting away, like whatever. And I heard, I heard Elastic come on. Okay. And I swear, like I really stopped mid sentence, and I was like, I was like, stop, stop, stop. I was like. Who is this? I was like, I need to Shazam this right now. Yeah, and I did. And that's how I found you and reached out to you. Um, so I wanted to know uh, about the making of Elastic. And did you know like it was going to be like such a big song? Um, no, nah, obviously, when we put stuff out, we don't know how people are going to react to it or whatever. But we knew that it was like, we knew that we loved it. We knew that when we made it, it was we like really liked it and stuff like that. But um. The process of making it, it was cool. I was in the studio with Chuck English. If you guys are familiar with Chuck English from the Cool Kids, I was in the studio with him. I was in the studio with Nez, who produced the beat from uh, Nez and Rio, the production duo, and a couple of my friends and stuff like that. And we were just cooking up. I was working on another idea, 
And then Nez played the beat and I kind of just started freestyling over it and stuff like that. Mm. And then, uh, yeah, we just ended up with the song. It was cool. It went, it, it went kind of like fast. We made it in one day. Then wow. we brought it back to the city and we added all the post-production. Um, Nico Segal and uh, Vern from, well, Vern's from Memphis, but he's a Chicago baby now. And we kind of just added all the post-production, all the instruments and stuff like that. So, yeah, it was cool. We knew that it was something special because everybody that heard it was like really into it and stuff, you know. And taking it back a little bit, I mean, I really want to know where it all started to with your artist project. I mean, were you that kid that was like freestyling in middle school? Like, where did it all begin for you? When did you know that you wanted to do this? Man, that's crazy. I was just I was just talking to my therapist about this. Really? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, because we just switched there. I just had to switch therapist. New new therapist alert. No but way. I, Why'd you switch therapists? I just had to get a new perspective. Wow. Yeah, let's let's get real personal about this. Yeah, yeah, Sometimes you need a new perspective. Sometimes you just gotta talk to somebody else about the shit. You know what I mean? Wow. Yeah. But um, now nah, I never knew I was gonna rap. To be honest, like I met Vic when we were twelve or thirteen. He had a notebook full of raps. I met Chance when we were 14, 15, 14, I think freshman year, and uh, he had notebooks full of raps. He had a mixtape already and shit. And they were my closest friends. Over time, they kind of like got me to rap. Like all of our friends were freestyle. We did freestyle a lot all the time in high school. It was high school for me. Um, and so we did freestyle a lot. That's where I kind of learned how to rap. And that's where I learned I could rap. I had like a gift for it, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Like I was like naturally adept at it. And then over time, I just started doing it. It became a realistic outlet. You know, as a kid, rapping does not sound realistic to me when mm -hmm. I was a kid. I grew up in a different type of time, though. Like, when I was a little kid, I didn't know anybody that was a rapper before they were famous. Rappers were, like, famous wow. people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, there was no, like, local rapper until, like, Lupe Fiasco or something like that for Chicagoans, for me. But um, I thought I was going to do something realistic, like, be a professional athlete. Like, and that's so Which unrealistic. Which is really realistic. That's a really good realistic goal to have. <laughs> right. That's the most realistic, right? But it's crazy because, like, oh, man, my my – my, you got to excuse my dog's trying to get in the interview. He want to say what's up. Oh, we hello. Always, we always enjoy pet cameos. Let's, let's, see, let's see the dog. Let's what kind of dog. dog is that? It's a pit bull. This man is really, I've been honestly trying to keep him out of the camera for the last three minutes. <laughs> oh. It's all good. We yeah. in this thing now. Is it a girl or a boy? No, nah, it's a boy. It's a boy. Aw, is it a pit bull? Yeah, it's a pit bull. Oh, my God. He's so excited. He's like knocking stuff off the table. Is it true pit bulls are like aggressive? Like. Nah, they're super sweet. It's wow. it's all about how you how you raise the dog. Yeah, it's pit bull. I mean, animals, pit bulls, dogs. I guess I'm no like zoologist or whatever, but like I feel like it's the same. As <laughs> like you know, if you if you raise a person in an intense, aggressive, um, dangerous, environment. aggressive environment, then you might get a dangerous, intense, aggressive person and stuff. But if you raise a person in a loving, you know, cool environment that's like productive to their growth, they're just gonna be a cool ass person. And shit. You came up in a really interesting time where when you were first really getting serious about releasing music in like 2012, 2013, 14, mm -hmm. that was kind of corresponding with the rise of the streaming era and, uh, era and Spotify and stuff. Definitely. And I'm sure SoundCloud, that SoundCloud was a big SoundCloud. deal. SoundCloud. Yeah, SoundCloud, of course, of course. Um, do you sometimes wish that you had come out maybe in the nineties when you had to do like the trunk mixtape cassette kind of thing, okay. or, do, or do you feel grateful right, right now? Fuck yeah. No. yeah. Like right now is the best time. Like 
Like if I had, I, I personally feel, I, I don't really do this. I never think about like, what if I would, you know, I'm like, I'm 29 years old. So I don't really think about that life, that type of life perspective. Yeah. Maybe when I'm like 50, I'll be like, oh, what if when I was, what if I would, you know? Yeah. Like, <laughs> and maybe not when I'm 50, maybe it's going to take for, maybe I never, hopefully I never have that perspective. Hopefully I feel fulfilled by my life choices and shit like that. Yeah. But like, um, I feel like I, the best time to come out as an artist for me personally, my perspective is right now. Because in the 90s, think about it. In order to be the guy who everybody had your mixtape, you first had to print up enough mixtapes to give to everybody. Oh, yeah. Wow. yeah. A whole thing. That's a whole thing in itself that nobody has to worry about. That's a whole step of the consumption, the music consumption process that no one has to worry about ever again. Like no kid will ever have to have the thing that I had in my hoodie pocket that bulged out the pocket that was this big that had 45 CDs. <laughs> that I had to go download the music for and manually put the songs on the list and put them bitches on a CD and carry a CD player and hope that <laughs> my batteries and shit like that. Like, you know, that shit is out. That shit is out the door. Yeah. So I definitely wouldn't want to be the dude doing that shit with a cassette tape. They had it way harder than we got it. We got this shit easy. Have you ever made a mixtape on CD for a lady friend? I've made playlists, but I've never made a CD. Yeah. Maybe maybe he was going after sort of like the uh, the cougar the cougar demographic. You might want to make a CD, but for right yeah, now, you know, I might make a, I might make a cassette tape for a nice older woman. Yeah, yeah, I I get your I get oh your point God. about you know that it's a lot easier now to to release music, but at the same time, you get a lot of people. And I've noticed this regardless of genre on the rock side, on the hip hop side, on the pop side, you have a lot of people releasing music who maybe wouldn't be releasing music 10, 15, 20 years ago yeah. but because it is so easy. Yeah. The yeah saturation yeah. of people releasing stuff. That's a super fact. I think that is way easier to drop music now. And so you got people dropping music that probably wouldn't have been qualified to get exposure at a different point. And I personally think I could have competed in any generation of rap. But um, I do agree with that for some of the other people that are like prominent right now. Speaking of like competition, one thing I was, you know, sometimes I wonder because I feel like it's a little bit different in every genre. And like, I feel like each genre has their own beef or whatever it is. Would you consider the rap game like competitive? Um, and like, you know, what's like the nitty gritty about being a rapper in, you know, these times you know is it like crew against crew or like within the crew there's drama like what's the real deal about that i don't think so i think it's less competitive now probably than ever because it's so easy like we were talking about like right now i feel like it's so easy to be a rapper mm -hmm. so i think it's way less competitive nature even if you look at like the rate of the rate of uh of collaboration on songs like all of the biggest rappers have songs together for the yeah. most part like if you name the top 10 rappers that sell the most or do the most streams, eight of their ass have worked all together interchangeably and shit like that. So I feel Which like- probably wasn't the case like years ago, I feel, now that I think about it. Right, right. What do you think? To work together. I wow. think back in the day, it was like that, like stereotypical rapper stuff or whatever. But now more people can be rappers too. For a while, the, the voice of rap was either you're like, like a- backpacker or like a very dangerous person or whatever and now you're <laughs> a backpacker dangerous no that is yeah. i i i dead ass my my mom of course every mom knows who queen latifah is because of the acting right right right, right. and so. 
And I was trying to explain mom to my mom that in the late eighties, early nineties, you had like the real positive sort of intellectual rap that Queen Latifah was doing. And then you had like the harder yeah, West Coast NWA yeah. kind of stuff going on. Or even like, kind of a, yeah, New York shit. And in the New York, you're right, right. But you had like hard rap and you had more like the laid back rap. And I feel like now it's easier to combine the two. You, my friend, combine the two where sometimes <laughs> you're playful you. and laid back and sometimes you come hard. Yeah. I feel like that's just me trying to like pay homage to everything that I came up on like. That's a big thing for me and my process too. I always feel like, um, like I love when people listen to my music and be like, man, this sound like this because mm -hmm. it does on purpose. You know what I mean? Like it, it does sound like yeah. that. And so I like that. Like I want to be compared to the people I admire. I want that to be like, I want the kid that doesn't know, doesn't have the Rolodex of references that I may have from mm -hmm. like having older siblings or having the internet or being like really in the music for whatever search like whatever circumstance provided me that like perspective. I want the other kid to hear my music and get those same feelings. And I would love if they could hear it, if they could get 10 different feelings on the same album. Like I would love if a kid could hear NERD's influence and Dipset's influence and like three, six Mafia's influence on one mixtape. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And I can tell you do like that sort of early 2000s like college dropout era kanye soul samples and stuff like that yeah, yeah, yeah for sure are you do you consider yourself a crate digger uh a, um, a beat explorer like where do you find these interesting samples that you use well i don't make the beats so that's like Thelonious primarily he finds the majority of the samples. Sure. Sure. like uh he was like uh he is a legend but he was like a prodigy in the sample chopping scene you know what wow. i mean people have known him since he was 17 16 and stuff on the internet for his ability to chop samples and find good samples and stuff like that so i try i give that to thelonious primarily but um then fine tuning it is something that we are really good at because we know what we like like we only i'm the type of person that i used to be the type of person that listens to everything you know what i mean like i would go listen to i would just listen to everything and now I only listen to stuff that I that I consider like great. Like I listen to the same music and I might add some stuff into there, add an album that drops into like what I consider great. But I kind of it's like, you know, it's like watching highlights. Like you don't go watch, you know, you don't go watch some dude's highlights that also played on the Bulls with Mike. You go watch Michael Jordan highlights if you want to be like a great basketball player. You know what wow. I mean? find somebody like that does something that you like and you might watch their highlights because they do something at a Michael Jordan level. But I try to like only really listen to the people that I feel are like great, you know? It's known that you, um, I mean, cause just like Jordan said, you're so insightful and like I've seen other interviews that you've done and you seem just like so sharp, um, but it's known like you decided to not complete your final year of high school and I wanted to know what made you come to that decision. Mm. And what well, first I got kicked out of high school. Uh oh. <laughs> <laughs> I got kicked out of my high school and I went to an alternative school. And oh I, man, the alternative schools. My oh, I remember school those. School, it was really funny. It was like really <laughs> he said it was funny. It was mad fun. It was mad funny. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. But also they provided us. Um, with all of the dates and information on taking the GED test, which I didn't mm -hmm. know once you're like 16 or some 16, 15, something like that. 
I think 16. Once you're 16, you could just go do it at any time, even if you're in high school. And nobody had ever provided me with that information. Wow. And I personally feel like that's for some people, that's a way better option. Like some people have aspirations of things that they might could get done without the traditional high school route. And had someone at my school told me, look, man, if you don't want to be here, you could just go take your GED test. We'll give you pre-test for it, help you prepare for it. So you could at least have a certificate that says you finished this stage of your life and you can maybe go to try to go to JUCO for two years to get your prerequisites or whatever you need to get mm -hmm. before you go to university or whatever the case may be. I feel like I was one of those kids that would benefit from that more. And I was so oppositional to school because there were so many things that I understood that I already wouldn't need. And there was such a level of authority that the people at the school had that I felt like they would abuse in certain instances at mm -hmm. my school in particular. So I was just like, man, I was kind of anti-school. So they kicked me out and I got my GED and I ended up becoming the uh, buyer and manager at a store that I had like interned at since high school and stuff like that, like wow. a clothing store and skate shop. And so I started doing the thing that I always wanted to do when I was a kid. Before I started rapping, I wanted to have my own clothing store and stuff or like a dispensary. These were like the two things I felt like I wanted to do. I knew that legalization was like on the horizon. And I thought that going to California, learning how to grow it, then learning how to run a dispensary would be like a realistic entrepreneurial venture for me. But yeah, it was like that type of stuff where I just was like, you know, I can't really I can't really do the thing that is assumed I'm going to do just because it's assumed I have to do it. I kind of have to do what makes sense for me and finishing high school didn't really make sense for me. So I got my GED and got a job. What would you be doing if you weren't doing music for for a living? I would have a store for sure. Or I would yeah. be maybe the buyer at like a like a bigger store, like something like a Saks or a Neiman or something like that. Or maybe, oh, yeah. one, maybe one of the like um, boutiques like Chicago has a lot of like high end street, like street, high street boutiques. Right. I would probably have something like that going on. I already had like a somewhat budding career in retail because I had worked so closely with leaders for so long. It's like a streetwear store in Chicago that was really prominent. And then um, that turned into that ended up blossoming into Fat Tiger. So I could easily see myself working in retail or like design for sure. If not like a but cannabis industry, excuse me. Yeah. Is that where Dre Perp comes from? Not really, kind of though, a little bit. <laughs> I was wondering, I was like, is that the purple? Cause like, you know, some weed is purple. I don't really smoke weed anymore since like yeah, yeah. high school even, but yeah, is that where it comes from? Just like That's the- really come from that. Purple was on my, always my favorite color. And people just kind of mm -hmm. called me purple. It was like I, I like know. that wholesome response. Purple my favorite color. That's a good wholesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah it is. response. Nah, yeah. yeah, I was purple before everything was purple because then, like, you get into like there was like a whole phase where people would call purple because of lean and stuff. Oh yeah, but I was I was kind of already Joey Perp at that point. So that was right. that was that was a tough couple years for the boy. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> A lot yeah, of yeah. Situations I didn't need, but it was cool. Let's talk about your uh, artistic relationship with with Kami. Am I pronounced is it Kami or Kami? I've always said Kami, but Kami, um, yeah, it's Kami. Okay, okay, I got it right. Now uh, you've done a lot of music with him over the years. Uh, you have the new project, You and the Money. Um, why do you think you guys gel so well as collaborators? I think first and foremost because we're friends. We know each other very well. We have like, um, and, bec and and the reason we, we are such good friends is because we have a very similar scope of reference. 
like at the same times we were listening to the same things when we met we were both like heavily in the Lil Wayne we both probably went through the same period of time of listening to like I don't know MGMT and Gucci Mane and like whoever else we were listening to in high school and stuff like that and like internet music and stuff like that like Tori Moore and stuff so like we just all probably went through the same things at the same time and I think that lends itself to creativity because when I do something you get it. You get why I did it because you know where I'm pulling from or you know what I'm referencing or you know what I mean? So I think that's really what it is. We just know we know the same stuff and we know each other and we're good at sending. Like we don't sit in the same room and make everything, you know, like he, he can make a hot song to me. I can make a hot song, send it to him. Then we might link up so I can record the verse to the shit he already made and we'll make something new. So now that's three songs out of what would have been one. You know what I mean? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, so I guess my next question is, when is there going to be an actual official follow-up to quarter thing? So, is that a sore subject? No, it's not a sore subject at all. Mm. Honestly, to be completely honest with you, I have um, three projects fully mixed and mastered, ready to drop. I could drop wow. them tomorrow if I wanted to. So the the follow-up to quarter thing is has a tentative date on it. It's coming very soon, but um. Yeah, I'm just kind of working on the business side of it. But the music is finished. The music is, is all finished, mixed and mastered. Packaged up real nice, ready to go right now. Oh, my God. You have the visuals and everything? We have a lot of the visuals, yeah. We have three visuals shot. We got a bunch of – we have the, like, uh, creative language, so to speak. Who in the, in the gang, like, kind of handles your visuals or oversees everyone's visuals? Because – you know, some people are like kind of crazy about it and some people would just throw up like whatever. What yeah. kind of artist are you when it comes to visuals? So in-house, in, in in our group of friends, we have uh, Troy Gueno, Troy from Chicago. He shot like the majority of Chance's last videos. He shot uh, the couple videos that we shot off of you of the money he shot him. And he's been our, he's like my little cousin. He's, you know, he's family to me. You know, we've known each other since he was probably 12, 11 years old. And so he's our in-house like home team videographer. I also work heavily with uh with Yak Yakub Films. He's from Chicago as well. That's like my personal right hand man when it comes to anything visual. We've traveled the world together. We're working on a documentary. We've been filming for the last like four years, damn near five years. So we have a couple people from the home team that we shoot with. But I'm willing to work with everybody. I'm that type of person. Like I will work with anybody. You know what I mean? um speaking of working with anyone let's talk about save money for a sec okay for sure so like uh, like you're the founder am i correct on that one of the founders for sure yeah one of okay the because i feel like going back to talking about rap gangs and like just the crews and like you know how friendly is the rap game yeah. um versus how like you guys can also come together um tell me about how much you have to um, I mean, how much do you owe to save money and also just like Chicago, um, the rap scene in Chicago for your success? I don't owe nobody nothing. I did all this shit by myself. <laughs> yeah, I just went. Um, I did all this shit to everybody. Like, to be honest, like I'm that type of person. Like, I do think that I, you know, I write everything. So like, all my words I give to myself and God, like I, I was given my message, but I wouldn't rap if it wasn't for Chance and Vic. They made, they literally, literally and figuratively made me rap. Like they made me want to rap because they rap and they like made me rap. Like they made me come to the studio 
my first song I ever recorded, Chance made me come to the studio and was like, get on this song. And I'm like, what do you mean get on this song? He's like, look, the beat is going to play for this amount of time after what I said, and you're going to say something that kind of <laughs> sound like, you know, like work off what I did and make a verse that sound like that. So like, they can me rap. And then the Chicago music scene, sheesh, like we wouldn't be, the time period we popped off in, you know, so much was happening. Like Chance happened at the same time as Keith. So like the same way I wouldn't be here if not for chance, like rising tides raise all ships or whatever they say. So like I wouldn't be here without chance, but same way chance wouldn't be here without Keith and vice versa. Keith was so polarizing because chance seemed like such a not to say he's not a good dude. He's a great dude, but he seemed like the good kid in comparison to the kid with 30 guns in his video. Mm -hmm. And then you hear Ch chances music. It made Keith sound that much crazier. And then with all of this polarity and attention on Chicago, you got somebody like me that just dropped, you know, what I consider to be one of the greatest mixtapes of all time. That's and then you're like, damn, you know, it just give me more attention and give me more possibility, give me more eyes, more, even to little shit, more fucking Red Bull and Sprite shows because we're the popping city and this the popping scene. You know what I mean? More of everything that helped me gain my footing here and then by, by virtue of here, everywhere else. So I can't say enough. I could sit here and talk for 50 minutes about how much people have done for me. Like, let alone, you know, I have some of the greatest producers in the world as my friends. Like, the people that I kick it with on a day-to-day -day basis also coincidentally have played instruments since they were small children. So, like, Peter Contell, Nico Segal, uh, uh, Darian Smoko Ono, uh, Dex, Knox Fortune. These are people who all have been working on not just production, but music theory and working in studios and being studio engineer assistants. And they've paid their dues in the creation of music behind the scenes. So this whole time I've been learning how to rap, all these other people have been essentially learning how to let me rap, like learning how to facilitate me rapping. So and you guys grow together. Yeah, for sure. It's beautiful. Yeah. One, one strain that, that kind of goes through Chicago hip hop in my mind is just like what we've been talking about, this intellectual curiosity about the stuff that's come before you, whether it's whether it's Yay or Common or Chance or whoever, there's always interesting, obscure samples. There's always really clever wordplay. It's not just about bragging about your car. It's about talking mm -hmm. about your family and where you're from and all this stuff. Um, do you feel like that's true or do you think that's something that people like me from the outside put upon chicago hip-hop no i think that there has always been this other side of chicago black conscious culture not even mm -hmm. just hip-hop because it, it comes out in the hip-hop every once in a while before us that was common you know like common and like typical cats and people like that that were like Common obviously made it big. He has platinum songs. Typical Cast was like extremely local, if I'm not mistaken. But like there was a wave of Chicago rap that was already like very high level skill type of rapping. You know what I mean? And I think that that was because there's a particular community of like high taste level, kind of more definitely well off. I would dare say rich black people in Chicago as well. Like mm -hmm. we're not, it's not all the trenches and it's not all Wrigleyville and O'Block. You know, there's mm -hmm. like a large area in between that. And Chicago has a history of that. You know, Muhammad Ali lived here for years. Uh, Farrakhan still lives here. Barack Obama lived here into his presidency, still had a home here that I think he owns to this day. So, um, 
there Chicago's a prominent black city. And I think in being prominently black and having prominent black people, you have this culture of kind of like inquisitive, educated blackness. And then that bleeds in through the rap. And we're like the kids and little brothers and nephews of all these people. So like I think that that's really that's really where it comes from. Now, uh, as someone who loves the history of hip hop and you love hip hop from all different regions of the country, I just wanted to do this little like we have these little rapid fire games we do (laughs) hypotheticals, which we like to do on the podcast. And so I'm going to throw up some people from different regions of the country and you tell me who you'd rather collaborate. Now, these are people in their prime. So when I throw somebody up, think about it's them in their prime. So okay, let's, okay. Start, let's start with New York. Let's start with New York. Jay-Z or Nas? Jay. Easy. Jay-Z. Okay. Oh, let's go down south in their prime. Outcast 3-6 Mafia. Uh, I can't pick. I can't pick. I can't. Right? That's hard, right? Yeah. I can't pick. In their prime, though, I will say this. The Three Six Mafia studio session would probably be way more fun. I can only mm-hmm. in their That's prime. Because Andre 3000 is like completely straight edge. And Big Boy seemed like he might have been a wild dude. But Three Six Mafia, they, they, they turn. They too turn. So maybe if I had to choose, like if they both caught me on the same day, and they were in two different places or some shit like that. But I don't know. That's tough. If I had to like, if I had to drink right now, I'd be drinking. You know what I mean? Okay. Good. I, I, lo- I love the, I love it. I love it. Okay. Going to LA, SoCal, Dr. Dre or Kendrick? Well, I would say Kendrick because I might end up working with Dre too by way of working with Kendrick. I thought about that. Other I was like, happen. you can manipulate the same yeah. yeah. Other way won't happen. That's like, mathematical. It's hard to do this the other way too. Like if I get locked in with Dre, Kendrick might hop on my shit. Definitely, actually. So maybe Dre because I would definitely lock in with Kendrick. But either one, I would say though, I don't know. That's tough because as a rapper, I was about to say I would want to work with Dr. Dre because he could probably bring more out of me because right. he's like going to produce my song and help me produce the best song. But Kendrick would also make me want to be like perform at a high level because he's Kendrick. So that's sure. tough though. That's really sure. hard. Yeah. It's not quite apples to apples. Cause you got more, somebody who's producer. More than a producer. Yeah, yeah. That was, that's yeah. tough. That's that tough. Was tough. And it was hard to do Southern California because I feel like the hip hop here, I'm, I'm in LA by the way, right now is the hip hop here is, is so intertwined like all the collab people have worked on each other's stuff and so yeah, it's kind of yeah. hard to separate it out and kendrick's okay. such a clear like leader on the leaderboard of who would you work with from southern california sure, sure, sure. if nipsey was alive it would be nipsey but out of the people okay. who are alive kendrick for sure okay okay so let's go up to the bay area e40 or too short that's tough too damn i'm going to i'm going to respectfully say um damn i'm gonna respectfully say mac dre oh you got you went with the c you went with the c i'm gonna just respectfully bow out of e42 short and just say mac dre because god bless the dead and he's fat yeah oh no man i think e40 he got such a he got such a raw style though like e40 is cold man e40 is cold it it is two two totally different guys two totally different guys yeah for sure yeah for sure e40 married he's been married for probably 25 years 
Yeah. I'm this dude, you know, cool and he a family man, too short. You never know what you're going to get with short. I think Snoop Dogg, too, has been also married. Or I, I follow Snoop Dogg on Instagram. That's so early 90s. Yeah. yeah I said yeah. that, too. We need to give Snoop Dogg and his wife the most credit in the world, most important wow. his wife, because you know it's probably not easy to have been married to Snoop Dogg for the last wow. 30 years. They holding it down. They still together. Shout out them. Shout out Snoop Dogg and Mrs. Snoop Dogg. And, and you got to know, like, out of all the success Snoop Dogg has had, he's had a good woman by his side the whole time. So there's Come something on, to be said for that. That's what I'm you saying. Like, it's not, you don't get one without the other, bro. I don't think that he's able to hold it down in the ways he did without yeah. that family unit at home. So that's commendable for sure. Yeah. Hold on. Let's the time out real quick. What's your status right now with the ladies? Uh -oh. What's your status with the ladies? <laughs> I mean, are you are you do you have someone that you like that are you like doing something regular with, or are you kind of out I'm there? Cool. I'm cooling, man. I'm cooling. Are okay. you easy to like? You know, like how are you like a Snoop Dogg type? Are you easy to get along with, or what's it like being you say Snoop Dogg type? Life? What do you mean, Snoop Dogg? Like, am I, like, am you, I, am like, am I ready like, to like, you know, have that one? That oh, yeah, yeah. I'm, that type of person. I'm like a relationship. Are you monogamous? That's what we're trying to yeah, do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm a serial monogamous. So oh, like, okay. Like, ladies out there. That's, that's why I can't. No, not serial monogamous as in it's happening very frequently. Serial monogamous as in like, I will, I will go from like a girlfriend to single to like a complete girlfriend. Yeah. Like single. You wow. Know I, mean? I get you. You like the longer that. relationships. Not necessarily relationships, but I'm not into like, how do I say this? I'm trying to say this in the PG-13. <laughs> You're over your thought phase. Yeah. I, mean, I don't know if I ever had a thought phase, but yeah, I'm not a thought. Man. I don't think I've had a thought phase either. I'm like trying to figure it out. I'm like, I don't know. Yeah. I'm not I don't know if I want one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Not, yeah. oh just, man. Okay. Back to regular scheduled programming. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, yeah, that was that was uh, that was get to know. That was a love connection with Joy Perp right there. All right, um, now let's go to the Midwest. Your your neck of the woods. Wait, let's go Houston first. Oh, yeah. Houston, Scarface or Paul Wall? You know what? It's fucked up because to be honest with you, to be completely honest with you, I want to say Scarface because he's black, but Paul Wall because <laughs> I got to I damn near want to. Paul Wall, like Paul Wall. <laughs> Paul Wall makes slaps. Oh my God. And I might I like end up getting a grill or some shit like that. Yeah. You know what I mean? I might end up getting a grill. And get one, get, you, you ride around those Houston slab cars with the wood grain and everything, oh, you know? Man. With the candy paint. You know, Paul Wall yeah. has some candy paint. Yeah. Yeah. Way to bring it into your own music there with the candy paint reference. I love it. Love you it. Do, you do, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so last one, Midwest. Kanye. Eminem or Yay. Oh. Before you even ask. <laughs> I know Kanye. I know you, you Kanye got one answer. Anybody in the Midwest for the most part. I'd rather work with Kanye than anybody. Other than Hove and Wayne, I'd probably rather work with Kanye than anybody, period. Yeah. I was just trying to think of like the biggest guys for our biggest from the yeah, Midwest. Yeah, Midwest. But Kanye um, by far. I don't want to work with Eminem. I would have wanted <laughs> to work with Eminem back in the day. I'm not going to say I don't want to work with Eminem because if he called me right now, I'll be excited. Yeah. I'm not going to yeah, find yeah. like that. But Kanye by far, though. What? Kanye. Well, and, and Kanye's another apples and oranges thing where you get the production in right. addition to the lyricism, you know. Kanye been tripping, though. I'll say that. 
I, I was going to ask, on, what's your opinion on all the Kanye news? And I would have on my Yeezy hoodie. I had to throw on some essentials just because yeah. I, I take this. <laughs> yeah, everyone wants, everyone wants to, to back away 10 feet right now. now yeah, not, what's your take on that? I'm still an avid Kanye supporter. He tripping. He obviously got shit going on with him. Don't nobody know what's really going on. People be having shit going on with them where it's like, you know, you know, they got like mental problems and stuff like that. So I don't want to kick him while he... I don't even know if he's down. He might just be on 10, but like his ass tripping. Ain't not. You know, some things he says he's right about, some things he says he's not right about. Some things he says he's right about, but he says it in the wrong way. Yeah. Some things he's just dead wrong about. But at the same time, nobody's right all the time. And he just so happens to always have an audience. Yeah. And if there was a dude on the corner that was screaming everything Kanye was screaming, we'll walk right past his ass, regardless if he was right, wrong, or indifferent. But because it's Kanye West and we feel so emotionally attached. Mm-hmm. most people feel so emotionally attached me we have this saying in our friend group like we don't look to people that are artists for like anything other than what they say they're giving us they're giving us art we look to them for art i'm not looking at them to raise my children i'm not looking at them to raise me yeah. i'm not looking for him an insight on how i should live if he gives me positive or negative examples on what i should and shouldn't do that's my personal lesson to take from it but I personally try not to feel the big way about anything anybody does that's not like directly related to me. You know, he tripping, but he also he on ten about certain shit. So it is what it is, man. Shout out Kanye. Shout out Kanye. I, I love I love that. That was a good even answer. You know, because I feel like people don't want to answer how they feel about Ye right now. Yeah. Or they are they like ride or die by his side. Yeah. I or think they just ride or die like against them. And that's mm-hmm. people like don't give anyone the space or grace to be wrong, but they want to listen though. Like mm-hmm. if you don't want to hear what he say, don't listen. Mm-hmm. First and foremost, you know what I mean? Like what Tyler said about internet bullying, he was like, he don't believe in that shit because you could just log off. And to a certain extent, it's not like it's obviously not that cut and dry. Cause if you like receiving internet bullying from a lot of people and you like internet's part of your life, but you very well could just not go on. Instagram or Twitter or anything else that you're receiving Kanye West's messages from. So I don't know. It makes me, it's hard for me to really like feel the way when people feel offended about shit like that. Cause you could easily just tune out, you know, he didn't, he didn't like harm anybody. He just said some shit you disagree with or some shit that was wrong or some shit that was inflammatory or whatever, you know? Yeah. And I, and I totally agree that there is obviously some mental health issues going on there. So you see somebody that turned up. Yeah. 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 And I'm with you. We'd all go like a little crazy, you know. He's on 10. He's on 10 right now. So it's like I can't, I can't, I can't call it. You know, and when you don't and when you don't have anyone to check you, when you're like at the top, the top, the top, you don't have anyone to check you. Kim, where are you at though? Mm -hmm. Come on. Do you think him and Kim should be together? I don't. I don't know. I don't know either. Don't don't go. Trying to get some stuff out of you. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know All what right. I should do. Yeah. All right, Joe, Joe, we got we gotta let you go. Some milk. Thank you so much for joining us, no? Joey. What about milk? No, I said they need some milk. It's like a it's a it's an internet joke, I guess. It was a what does that mean? It was a it's a long story. It's a video of somebody that got knocked out, and while they was laying on the floor, somebody in the background screamed, He needs some milk. What all oh, because of your bones? It's, it's a meme. It's a meme. Yeah, yeah. It's like a meme. So now when people is doing some shit that they need some help, obviously they need some help. They ask need some need milk. Some milk. <laughs> some, I don't know what they need. Oh, before, before we go, Joe, you got you got anything coming out that you'd want to shout out the day? Any anything you yes. want to use out there? 
I don't want to put a date on it, but definitely very, very soon. Very, very, very soon new music coming out for sure. Okay. Very soon. Hell very yeah. Soon. You heard it here. You heard yeah, it here. Yeah. All right. Joey Perp, everybody. Thank you for joining us on the show. Hey, appreciate y'all for having me. Shout out y'all. Thank you so much. All right. We'll talk to you later, man. Ski for sure. Bye. Bye. Peace. All right. He's so dope. That was Joey Perp. We'll get new music soon. He promises. He promises new music soon. So, Dimmy, this is our first, uh, our first um, show with new, new microphones, new matching microphones. Yes. Has anybody noticed we have matching microphones or twins? Yes. And so it should sound like we're almost in the same room. Yes. And we will be very soon. Demi, we, we, we have, um, as, as you know, as listeners know, as pop dust fans know outside of the show, I do a lot of photo and video projects with artists who, you know, we can only get to one person a week or one person every two weeks on the show. So we, we, I do all these different projects with these with the artists on pop dust. And, um, I want to shout out, we just did a short documentary with Malibu baby, the producer, co-producer of Nicki Minaj's, uh, 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 super freaky girl. And that's a really fun, uh, really insightful interview. Demi liked that one. Um, Definitely but I also want to point out, we did an interview with the singer Killboy, uh, singer songwriter Killboy, who is on, uh, Atlantic records currently on tour with our friend Swaco. And I want to bring this up because there's been Demi, we've noticed a lot of people who were in the pop or hip hop space two years ago, who are now <laughs> rockers who are now suddenly, you know, guitars in the thing and, and Killboy was one of those artists who was more on the pop side. And so I asked her in the interview and you'll love this answer. I said, I said, um, uh, you've developed more of a rock show over the last year or so. Why did you lean in that direction here? This was, this was her answer. And you'll love this to me. She said, I booked my first show and started rehearsing, singing the trap tracks. And it felt like bad karaoke. So I got a band together and we turned them back to rock versions. I was like, yeah, I'm done with this bedroom trap shit. And I was like, <laughs> that is something that Demi Ramos herself would say. I'm done with this bedroom trap shit. I'm so, done with this bedroom trap shit. Damn. But I, I love that we, to get an honest, a real that, authentic answer. That is and, a real answer. And meeting Killboy um, definitely does not seem like a jaded music industry veteran. Just seems like a person who wants who's been making music for a while and wants other people to hear it, which is refreshing uh, compared to some of the artists out there who are just kind of in it for the fame, you know? I was about to shout out MGK and then I stopped myself. Yeah. <laughs> we, we made a whole show without making an MGK reference. Yeah, so. We were so close, Jordan. Yeah. Maybe next time. Maybe next time. <laughs> All right, guys, that'll be it for us. As always, go to popdust.com for the latest in pop culture and music news. And follow us on Instagram, of course. Jordan Edwards Studio for me and Demi underscore Ramos for Demi. And check out past episodes on Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Until next time, we'll see you later. Peace.